Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Writer. I am your host, Damon Martin, and today I am joined by a long, long-time friend of mine who is uh, one of the greatest lightweights of all time, of course, a former Strike Force champion, former UFC title contender, and, of course, a longtime teammate of a guy who will be fighting at UFC 266 coming up in a matter of days. Welcome in, Gilbert Melendez. Gil, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself, Damon? And it's uh, great to be on here with you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I am fantastic, man. You know, it's funny. We've uh, we've done so many interviews over the years, but obviously you've been doing so much of the analyst stuff recently that uh, I felt like it was only perfect to have you on now to talk about this fight coming up, as well as, of course, your teammate, Nick Diaz, making a, a long-awaited return to action. Yeah, long-awaited return is return is correct. You know, Nick is a guy who who always stays ready in the you know always staying ready. He's always running. He's always in the gym. He's always doing stuff. So it's great to see him back. You know, I'm very excited for this. Absolutely. Let's backtrack because we just had, and I'm sure you saw the news yesterday uh, or this week, I guess I should say, Carlos Condit announced his retirement from mixed martial arts. And I was reminded of one of the first times I actually met you and Jake and Nick and Nate and everybody was at the Rumble on the Rock welterweight tournament down in Hawaii back in like 2006. And even back then, like you guys had such a close knit team. Do you remember the first time you crossed paths with the Diaz brothers? Or I should say more specifically, Nick, because he's the older brother brother you know i don't know the exact day but but i do it was definitely at the caesar gracie academy and um you know jake moved up here to the bay area uh from san luis obispo and um he's the one who introduced me to mixed martial arts mma so we wrestled together at at san francisco state university and he said hey you want to try this grappling let's this jujitsu and i said sure let's go um so i started training there for a while and of course you know, there's this guy out there, um, tough as heck, you know, has that, that look of ready to go all the time with his little brother ready to go and his whole crew from Stockton, you know, back in the day. So I do remember going into the Caesar Gracie gym, um, you know, Nick and Jake going at it and then Nick and Jake telling Nate and I to go at it. So um, I do remember those first days. And, and I'll tell you what, man, um, the thing Jake and Nick had in common is those guys stepped into the gym with the intention to be champions. They knew at that young age they were there to be champions. I'll tell you what, I had no idea what I was going to do. I enjoyed my life. I enjoyed training. So did Nate. We had a good time. But those guys were men on a mission that were so focused. And I remember that focus and and self-belief from Nick Diaz. I, I felt that immediately from him. You know, it's funny because in this sport nowadays, you know, guys and girls switch teams a lot. They, tra- they cross train and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you guys 
first came up, and I speak you know speak specifically about you and Nick and Jake and and Nate. You guys were more than a team. You guys were like a family. It was almost like you know you were brothers at arms in a way. Uh, do you feel like that's like I will say it's it's a lost art today because we do still see guys in some you know teams very close. But you guys were, I mean, you guys were such a close knit group uh, and all really you know kind of coming up in the primes of your careers. Yeah, till this day, we're a close-knit group. And I think that's kind of our our uh, our style or, or kind of the way we all run our gym. You know, we are close-knit. We are loyal to each other. We are a family. We believe that we're sharing just priceless knowledge. You know, we believe that we're working together to, to lift each other up. You know, we do not want to help people who are going to fight against us. We don't think this is friendly competition. We consider this war you know it really is you know i try i'm a friendly guy we try not to be friends with other people because i i might like them so i try not to be friends with people in my weight class and and the same with these guys you know but again we are a close-knit that's our code that's the code we live by whether it's right or wrong that's how we do it you know we feel good cruising around in our pack we we feel good cruising with people we trust and we know who've earned their stripes we have a totem pole some people think that's off, but that's just the way we work, and, and we like it. And I think that is a lost art, you know. You have to work for it. You know, you don't walk into our gym and have this, uh, I'm a member and uh, you're an instructor and provide me a service. No, you walk into our gym, you become a student, and that becomes your teacher. And you show respect to your teacher, and you show loyalty. That's just the way we roll. Absolutely. You know, I know that this might be a bit of a bad example to bring up, but I but I think it does kind of speak to the closeness and, and kind of the loyalty you guys have for each other. Because uh, I was there, and I know you remember it, you know, the Strike Force Nashville card, when you beat Shinya Aoki and Jake, you know, defeated Dan Henderson, and then the brawl that happened afterwards. And I know so much was made of that brawl, and I know we've talked about it, I've talked to Jake about it, but one thing that always stands true about that moment was when somebody got in Jake's face, when Mayhem Miller got in his face, you know, Nick and Nate were there to defend their brother. And I think like, I know everyone like made a big deal about it and, and said this and said that, but I don't think there's ever been a clearer definition of the closeness of the bond that you guys had than that moment. I know maybe I'm making a bad example because you guys celebrated so many big wins, but I just think about that moment. Like it wasn't about we're in a cage. It wasn't about Jake just fought. It was about this guy is, is kind of threatening my teammate and I'm going to take him down. And I just think that was kind of like the attitude you guys all had for each other other man uh, damn you couldn't say it better man everything's a matter of perception right how do you guys perceive this are these guys a, a bunch of thugs uh, starting a fight in the cage i believe some people thought that but others look at it like you damon <clears throat> and what we have is very special when people what we have is people want they yearn for it's very hard to uh, to attain right and we have loyalty and guys backing up and if anyone they can take a lesson from that right that's your brother you know those are your brothers you don't stand there and let your brother get bullied or pushed around or hurt and that's the way we roll you may think that's bad people may not like that but that's just how we are and i think that's a positive and i think that's a great thing and uh and i think people can learn from that and i think it's almost a lost thing in society nowadays and and we're staying true to yeah, it's funny because I remember I again I was at that event. And I remember afterwards interviewing you and Jake, but I ran into Nick backstage, and I, I've I've met and interviewed Nick a bunch of times. Uh, you know, probably in person more than Nate. And I've interviewed Nate a bunch over the phone, but every time I've ever run into Nick, and this is kind of I'm, I'm ruining the reputation that people think they have of him. But he's like the nicest guy in the world. Like he doesn't he's not a, a trouble starter. He's not like this guy who's going out there looking for bad things to happen or anything like that. Like he is literally one of the nicest guys. 
guys in the world. It's just don't cross him and don't cross his friends, and then you don't have to worry about it. No, absolutely. He is a good guy, and, you know, he in the close circles, sometimes you can get these really good moments of Nick to see that nice side that he gave you. Uh, many times we're at fights, and that's the time where you got to be on your toes. you got to have your guard up. You know, and, and you got to be ready, and that's fight time, you know. But, yeah, he is nice, you know. But I also got to say, Nick is a serious guy. He's a focused guy. He's, like, always ready, always analyzing, always seeing things, you know. And while people are out there having a good time, he's looking through a different lens always. He's a tactical guy, and I think that was, that's what makes him so great in the cage as well. Uh, but, yes, he's a solid human being. Absolutely. So let's talk about the fights coming up here, Gil, because UFC 266, we are going to see Nick back. Got to be honest, for a while there, I thought, you know, Nick might not fight again. And, and it's okay. I mean, the guy's done so much. He's a legend of the sport, fought everybody. There's nobody in the world that doesn't respect Nick Diaz. But when he, when I heard he was coming back, of course I got excited. I like Nick Diaz. I'm a Diaz fan, just like anybody else. But as his teammate, as his friend, I know even you had talked in the past, like you weren't sure if Nick was going to fight again so were you surprised did, did you guys talk about it when he said he was coming back because I think it still took people off guard a little bit because we got to be honest at this point it's been a little over six years since he fought yeah I, I have to say I, I think uh, I did think there was a there was a moment where I didn't see him coming back I just felt like hey you know he's you know he's he's always staying in shape as he's always running he's always biking he's always just living a um a, a good pescatarian diet you know but not necessarily sparring all the time but lately the last year you know we have been seeing him in the gym we have been seeing him work and all of a sudden you know we're thinking wait a second i think i think he's working on something here you know and and he's not a guy of words he's a guy of action so yes there was a point where i thought he was retired but i can tell the last two years there was you know whispers of him talking about it and then you can see him training he's showing up into the gym and he's in his gi he's in the, he's in there sparring he's doing more stuff like that besides just running and and doing the triathlete stuff and and uh and keeping a healthy diet so so we did feel like oh the storm of nick diaz was returning you know you could see him coming back so it was kind of on the minds and uh but i was i'm still surprised of course you know he's been gone for so long i was is he really going to make that move? And is he really going to do it? And, and uh, you know, that's something that the decision he had to make and, uh, and he made it. And of course we are all excited and pumped. And, uh, and I know everyone talks about a long layoff and, and, uh, and I got to say, it's very difficult to come back from a hard layoff, but uh, you know, if there's anyone who could do it, it's, it's Nick Diaz. Absolutely. And to that point, I got to say, I love this matchup. The first UFC card I ever attended in 2004 was UFC 47 when Nick knocked out Robbie Lawler. I was actually at that fight. That was the first UFC I was ever at in attendance. And I'll never forget that because there was so much hype around Robbie at that time. He was kind of the young gun, big knockout power. Everyone was kind of impressed by what he had done early, so early in his career. He came from that Militich team. And then Nick went out there and, and, and face planted him. I don't know a better way to say it. It's not an insult to Robbie, but man, he just, you know, the old, you know, he, he, he hit him hard and, and knocked him, you know, face first on the canvas. And I got to be honest, like at the time, it was kind of shocking. Now here we are. It, it's literally 17 years later. They're, they're both in different places in their careers, but this is still a really fun fight because Robbie still brings it. We know he's still got knockout power. And weirdly, I don't think the time off is going to affect Nick. Like he's a guy who's always training. Even if he's not in the gym training MMA, he's training triathlon 
athletes. He's biking. He's always in shape. So it's not like he had to get in shape to start a fight camp. He just had to kind of get in fight shape. And so I think this is going to be a spectacular matchup. And I think it's kind of the perfect fight for Nick to come back to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is 17 years in the making. Just like you said, this is a rematch we've been wanting to see for a long time. We thought this might happen in Strikeforce. This might happen somewhere else. And, and now we here we are full circle. What better place to to have it except for the you know for the place that it started right here in the UFC so yes it's an exciting matchup um it is interesting right who who are these gentlemen now right what what are their styles now what are their fight now I think they're both better fighters I think they were young and aggressive back then but I think they're more calculated now but they both have the same spirit both guys are warriors right they're warriors they're not these these point point boxers or point fighters they're there to conclude a fight, and that's what make this, makes this fight very interesting, you know. I can kind of go into how I see it. You know, I do see that uh, the composure uh, of, of Nick Diaz showed a lot in that first fight, his composure and, his, and his, uh, his ability to stay composed in the chaos, right? And I think Robbie has learned a lot from that. You know, we've seen him rope a dope more against the cage in his later career, learning how to absorb damage. So you learn a lot from fighting a Diaz boy like that, you know. And, and of course, Nick... He's become better over the years, too, you know. So to see these guys match up and to see how they've evolved and where we're at now, what what a better time and, and a better place, like I said. Now, under, I understand, Gil, of course, you're going to be slightly biased towards your brother, towards your teammate, Nick. But I got to be honest, I, I like him to win this fight for a lot of reasons. And, and I think that the time off, weirdly enough, I think it just kind of rejuvenated him. I think it's going to you know, allow him to get healthy again. Uh, I think he's going to go out there and, and I've never seen him skip a beat in terms of what he does in the cage. And again, I got to be honest, I, I think Robbie is a, is a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, but we can't deny that he's not been on the greatest run lately. He's off four losses in a row. He's kind of looked strange in his last couple of fights. The Neil Magny fight, he just looked, he just looked kind of out of it in there and uh, you know, again, there's no shame in losing to the guys he's lost to, but like you look at the Neil Magny and the Colby Covington fights, they were just really weird performances out of Robbie Lawler. And I think that if Nick comes back looking like I expect Nick to look like, I think this could be a great showcase for him. And that's no offense whatsoever to Robbie Lawler. I just feel like I don't know what to expect out of Robbie. And weirdly, even six years away, I feel like I know exactly what I'm going to get out of Nick Diaz. <laughs> that's funny no there are pros and cons to everything right and being away from six years i mean the cons are are the mat time and being in there but the pros are like you said he's rested up he's excited he's here on his terms you know and robbie's been competing he's been staying busy like you said even though he's a ama- man this guy is an amazing fighter but he's really been leaving his life out there you know the Rory mcdonald fight his carlos condit fight his matt brown fight I mean, he's had a lot of mileage over the time while Nick's been resting, right? Nick's been recovering. So these are things to look at. And also, it's just, you know, as a fighter, speaking for myself, you know, it's not as easy to summon the beast or it's not as easy to endure the punishment you used to. Before, you're young, you just, I'll take five to just give you one. And, I, and I'll get you tired, you know, before you can get me tired. These are all these, these things that you have on your head that, Maybe possibly to your point, maybe some of the things Robbie's dealing with, man, I've, I'm taking a lot of damage. I'm doing this. So I'm just going through the motions. Maybe, you know, this is all maybe Robbie's a stud, right? But again, you have Nick who has less mileage and excited and has a reason to be back in here. You know, that, that, that could play an advantage, right? That could play an advantage. We don't really know, but you do know, like you said, Nick is going to come out. He's going to come to fight. 
it's kind of funny, you know, Nick, again, has been away for six years and he's fighting Robbie Lawler, a former champion, in his first fight back. But I feel like if Nick wins at UFC 266, he immediately becomes a contender in the welterweight division, not only because of everything he's ever done in his career, but we can't deny that Nick Diaz is still one of the biggest names in the sport. And that name value, that star power matters. I mean, there's a reason why Conor McGregor coming back off of whatever it was, like a one and two record, everyone's saying, well, one win, he gets the title shot like there's a reason for those kind of things and Nick Diaz is that kind of guy Nick Diaz immediately injects a lot of excitement in the welterweight division and you're kidding me to tell me that if he wins and Kamaru Usman wins in, in November you're telling me that there wouldn't be some interest in like Nick jumping right in there and fighting Usman because that would be a monster fight I know Kamaru would do it because he knows what a Nick Diaz does to his legacy like Nick Diaz being back is such a big deal Oh, it's huge, and it's a win for everybody, you know. And and um, you know, if I'm on the, if I'm um, Brian Ortega, Volkanovski, you know, I'm pumped. I'm pumped that I'm on. I have these guys on the card that I'm headlining, right? These guys are going to bring eyeballs to me, a, you know. And then you know, b, if if Nick is successful and he wins, of course, he's in title contention. Everyone's going to campaign to fight him. Everyone wants to challenge the the legend, right? It only brings your stock up. And, and we do. We recognize now we're not in the fight business. We are in the entertainment business, right? So you have to be a great fighter, but you also have to entertain. And you could be the Conor McGregor with the one and two record to come back and, and just sell out arenas, and, and they're going to get the right, uh, the right fight because of that. So, yes, yes, it would be huge for Nick to be back to win. All of a sudden, he might be directly for a title shot. Yeah. So now I believe Nick will win. I don't know how it's going to happen exactly. I believe he can knock out Robbie again. Will he knock him out? I'm not sure, but I do believe Nick will win this fight. I assume you're picking the same way, but do you have a prediction? Do you feel like you see it going one way or another in terms of how it ends? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone down that road as the analyst, you know, him being my teammate and everything, you know, I just know I support him and I, and I know, this fight's going to get concluded. It will be concluded, right? That's just his style. He's going to go out there and he's going to push. And that's also Robbie's style, right? They're going to push and try to conclude this fight. I guess it can go the distance. You know, maybe I take it back. It is a possibility because you guys can endure a bunch of punishment. But I know Nick is going to come out there to conclude a fight and not have this point sparring fight. And also, I know Nick has the advantage when it comes to grappling department. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick use a lot more of his MMA, not just his boxing. Yeah, absolutely. Will you be in his corner next weekend, Gil? I will not be in his corner this next week. Um, I'm scheduled for that, so I'll be helping out there. Uh, but I am not going to be in this corner out there this time. Okay, yeah, I know I know you guys kind of alternate, even if you're not training together, like, right away. Like, I know a lot of times, like, I know Jake is teaching in Las Vegas now, but, like, I know, like, again, even if he's teaching out there, like, you guys will fly out and be in each other's corners no matter what. I go back to the whole family thing. Even if you're not training together every day, and even if you're not coaching him during the entire camp, I know somebody's going to be there with familiarity in the corner because that's just got how you guys roll. Oh, yeah, we will all be out there regardless, no matter what, working not. We're, we are there for business to support our guy. I know Caesar Gracie has been working real closely with Nick and, and uh, really taking care of his training camp and, and traveling around different places to get his training in. Uh, I, had a I had a chance myself to talk to, to Nick, and, and I'll tell you what, man, the, the guy's self-belief, you know, he's just so confident with his stuff, man, and I, and I think it's so powerful to just know, just to know it, you know, and that's, 
and it's it's I'm saying this because it's fighters question themselves, you know, and and they they, they know it's going to happen. They they could say it, but I know they question themselves. And this guy believes it. And this guy is putting in the work. He's running. He's sparring. And just from the sound of it, man, I I know this guy's ready to go. Yeah, it's so weird because generally speaking, you don't get to step away from a job for as many years as Nick has and not only come back and look great, but come back and have the fan appeal, have the fans, you know, be that excited. But there's such a realness, you know, to Nick and Nate both. I mean, there's a reason why Nate, you know, it doesn't matter what he does. Like, it's so funny. You know, you look at the Leon Edwards fight with Nate, like, yeah, okay. He lost the decision, but the way he came back in that fifth round and nearly finished it, that in and of itself is why people love Nate and Nick Diaz. And, and, and again, going back to, you know, the, the relationship you guys all had with you and Jake and, and Nick and Nate, uh, the relationship you have with the fans, there's a realness to you guys. There was a, a real authenticity, a rawness, and I think that comes across. There's no fake. There's no, you know, we're doing it for the cameras. We're no, you know, we're trying to, you know, get people to like us. But I think people liked you guys and continue to like and support you guys because you are real. I know that sounds kind of funny, but I think that's, re- I think that's truthfully what it is about you guys in particular. You were always real, no matter what was going on. You were real. You were raw, and you were authentic, and that comes across in the way fans always supported you guys man that's that is huge it's a compliment here but yes yeah this guy's like a living legend i think there's people some people have you know seen him and experienced him like like we have but i think there's a lot of new fans to our sport who've only heard the tales and legends of nick diaz the one that helped mold nate diaz the one that helped molded our own team and the guy that put us on the map and the original the guys is the original people weren't doing triathlons and mma back in the day people weren't eating a healthy diet back in the day in MMA. I don't think in a lot of sports they weren't doing that until Nick Diaz started doing it and the Diaz boys started bringing that perspective. Now everyone's a triathlete in our sport, and now everyone is eating a, a very calculated diet. But I'll tell you, years ago in our sport, that wasn't how it was. And these guys are pioneers. They're authentic. Not only in that, like Nick has a gospel, right? When he speaks and he's going to talk, you listen, right? He's going to say something good. He's going to educate you. He's going to give you something to think about right and and he believes it and he and he's helped his whole community out all his people like that and there is some realness right goes to the beat of his own drum and that's what's happening now the guy is back because he wants to be back Exactly. Well, Gil, before I get you out of here, of course, Nick, in a lot of ways, a lot of people believe Nick is the true main event because he's coming back and people are so excited, but we can't ignore the two title fights also highlighting UFC 266. So let me kick things off by talking about the flyweight title fight, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Lauren Murphy. And, you know, it's a really interesting match, but here's the thing. I like Lauren Murphy very much. I think she's a monster. She's a she's a veteran. Good wrestling. Uh, she's shown real improvement in her striking. She's so tenacious so tough but I, I think there's just some fights where you just feel like you're running into a brick wall and I feel like Valentina Shevchenko is that brick wall I feel like when you look at you know the whole pound for pound debate which is you know eh, okay we don't you know is it real is it not but when you look at the women's divisions it's it's Amanda Nunes it's Valentina Shevchenko and then everybody else in my opinion and 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 I just it's hard for me to believe anybody beats Valentina now we always see upsets that's part of the sport we understand that I don't want to count out Lauren Murray because I have so much respect for her, but it's just hard to see anybody beating Valentina Shevchenko right now unless she goes up and fights Amanda Nunes again, and maybe that's how you know you put another loss on her record. Otherwise, I just don't see anybody at 125 beating her. Yeah, I know. You know, I think highly of Lauren Murphy as well, and, and she's a durable fighter. She's improving. You know, she's uh, you know she's been on a roll, and she's really earned this title shot. 
And um, when you see Valentina fight, she doesn't make any mistakes, right? Even against Jennifer Maya, it was a long time off. You know, she showed that she went five rounds. I don't even know if I want to say she showed weakness, but she didn't. You know, I felt like that fight, you know, people were even hard on her. I'm like, the, the lady did not take any damage. She was extremely calculated. I don't just see her as this assassin sniper striker. I see her as a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Her body lock sequence she did against uh, uh, Andrade recently was was amazing. You know, against Chukagian, who's a fantastic grappler as well, she was able to take her down. She's so good at not taking any damage and not making any mistakes. And the only way Lauren Murphy wins this fight is she makes it a messy fight. She tries to rush her. She tries to get dirty. She tries to take her down. She wants to make it this rough fight. But this is what Valentina thrives on, right? You come at her, you try to make it rough, she capitalizes on it. And if you try to stay and pick her apart, I mean, that's just not possible either. So it's a very big challenge to fight her. I think Laura Murphy's best chance is to make it a messy fight, try to come forward, push forward, and, uh, and hope things work out for her, you know, in that, uh, in that way. Uh, but again, Valentina knows how to deal with that very well. Um, but yeah, but you never know what happens. That's the beauty of MMA. I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in, you know? Yeah. Valentina. And the scary thing about Valentina, you mentioned it early in her career in the UFC, everyone thought she was just a striker. I and mean, when you go out and out strike Holly Holm, you know, that's a big deal. Holly Holm, of course, is a phenomenal striker in her own right to go out there and do that. But then we see her like taking people down. What she did to Andrade was ridiculous. I mean, you just don't do that to Jessica Andrade. She's a monster. And the way that Valentina just dismantled her, I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, this is going to be Valentina's toughest test. And she got her out of there, whatever it was, inside two rounds. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I have so much respect for Lauren Murphy. I think she's so incredibly good, and I agree with you. I think she's got to make it nasty. She's got to make it an ugly fight and hope she can make Valentina make some mistakes. But, I, again, I, I can't deny that I just don't see Valentina losing. No, no, you're Correct. And, and the person you thought that could make it messy, you just mentioned it right now, is Andrade, right? You're like, oh, here comes Andrade. She's going to come in with her big hook. She's going to storm her, and, and you know, she's going to get dirty in that clinch, and it's not going to be so easy. This is the girl who just slammed Rose. This is a, this is a lady who's, who's done so much great damage to a lot of people. This is going to be a tough one for Valentina, and, and she just made it look easy. You know, so it's, it is hard. It is hard as much as we respect Lauren Murphy, and, you know, but, um, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that fuels fighters, right? That Jennifer Maya, I was talking about her this way as well. Oh, man, I don't know if she's going to have any sort of chance. But she's the one who's done the best against her lately. Now, I, I don't know if she did great against her. And she might have won a round or two. I'm not too sure, Jennifer Maya. But she came in there ready, knowing that she's an underdog. You know, no pressure. And Lauren Murphy needs to have one of those Buster Douglas Rocky moments, right? Where, you know, everything's against her. Everyone is against her. And she uses that to fuel her fire. And, and again, I think... You know, fighting is, you know, 90% mental sometimes, you know, and, and, and the will to want and the will to win. And that's what she needs to really lean on. And she really needs to, to try to bring that out of her and to, and to listen to our conversation right now and just be excited to prove us wrong, right? You know, and just, you know, that's what she needs to do. And, and these things happen in MMA, you know, and uh, that's the beauty of our sport. And every so often, the person on top, they lose. It just, it always happens, actually. It just happens. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, and then, of course, we got the main event, the featherweight title on the line, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Brian Ortega. This is such an intriguing fight, Gil, because, you know, coming into this, you know, when, when Brian Ortega lost to Max Holloway, I thought, okay, we're going to have to we're gonna have to wait to see how Brian can improve and grow from this in a few fights. And then he comes back in his next fight against the Korean Zombie, and he looks totally reinvented. His striking was so much better. He he looked, I mean, he just looked like a brand new fighter. It was ridiculous. I, I was like shocked at how great he looked coming off of that loss, which was a pretty one-sided fight with Max Holloway. And then you look at Alexander Volkanovsky, this poor guy, he cannot seem to get the respect he deserves. I mean, I understand you beat a very popular fighter in Max Holloway. The first fight, absolutely believe Alexander won that fight. Second fight, gotta be honest, I scored it for Max Holloway. Uh, and, and again, it was a very close fight. But, but this guy, he's kind of living in the shadow of Max Holloway even though he's beaten him twice, you can argue whether or not he beat him the second time, but Max was such a popular, such a favorite champion that this poor guy just doesn't seem to get the respect he deserves, and you feel like he's got to go out, in my opinion, he's got to go out and really put it on Brian Ortega. He cannot let this be a 48-47. He cannot let this be a split decision. I think Alexander Volkanovsky, to define himself as featherweight champion and kind of get the respect he deserves, he's got to go out there and really take this fight to Brian Ortega, and he's really got to win this one in my opinion yeah that's so interesting how you put it that way the champion needs to take it to the challenger right where the challenger usually needs to go out there and make a statement and and take it from the champ but you are correct you know uh, alexander Volkanovsky, he did win the scorecards against max holloway right he won the scorecards but it's when you use the word beat everyone doesn't want to accept that no nah, you didn't beat him up you know in fact i think he dropped you a couple times in that last fight you know, so it's hard to say you won the fight. Yeah, you won uh, the scorecards according to these refer to these uh, officials who may have got it wrong, right? So that doesn't sit well with everybody, and and they have a good they have a good debate. You know, we we agree on that right there. Um, but he does, in, in order to to break through and get the the respect he deserves, he does need to make a statement. But he doesn't, in my opinion, I think it's important for him more important for him to win, right? This is a guy you don't want to rush on and make a mistake because you feel pressure to make a statement, right? So, yes, you know, you want your stock to go up. You want to be the entertaining fighter. Yes, you want more money, but this is a fight where you don't make any mistakes, right? You don't make any mistakes. Even Max Holloway was a, a little bit conservative against Frankie Edgar because he didn't want to get taken down, right? He had to make sure he just picked them apart enough. I think he could have let go more, but why risk the takedown? So I think we may see a Volkanovski who's a little passive, who just relies on his striking and, and landing punches and, and keeping it close. He finds that's almost his style, but I think it might be the right approach for this fight. And, and against Brian Ortega, a guy who can just snag your neck up, a guy who can just turn around with the grappling, you know, I, I don't know if it's, this is the one where you have to – to just really make that statement to make everyone happy before you really lock in the W. Yeah, I think Brian Ortega showed so much improvement in his striking the last time, but then again, not that he needs my advice, but I feel like I think Brian's biggest chance to win this fight is mixing things up a little bit, make Volkanovski think about the takedown, make him worry about the grappling, because Ortega is such a phenomenal grappler. I mean, ridiculous submissions, uh, you know, world-class jiu-jitsu. We know that about him, and I feel like if he mixes it up and keeps, you know, makes Volkanovski guess about what's coming at 
at him? Is he going to go for the takedown? Is he going to work from the clinch? Is he going to, you know, is he going to just strike on the outside? I think he's got to keep Volkanovski guessing because if he just turns this into a striking fight, if it's just a, a kickboxing fight, could Brian Ortega win? Sure, he's got that kind of ability. We saw it in his last fight with the Korean Zombie, but uh, I think you're taking a lot more chance in that kind of a fight. I think if he goes out there and maybe even pulls guard, just tries to mix things up and make Volkanovski guess at what's coming with him, I think he's got a better chance, but I still lean towards Volkanovski to win. I think that even though he had two really close fights with Max Holloway, the second one more than the first one, you beat Max Holloway. You are a damn good fighter. I mean, Volkanovski is a beast. He's a monster. Again, I think it's going to take a special kind of guy to beat him, but if Ortega's going to get the job done, I believe he's got to mix it up. He cannot be one-dimensional in this fight. I agree with you in the sense that um, Brian Ortega needs to mix it up. And I think, I do believe we saw that in his last fight, like you said, against the Korean Zombie. He is growing. I see his striking, as I study film for him, I see his striking getting better and better. Except one great thing about his striking is he's never been scared. He's always been game. He's always down to stay in the pocket and throw. I mean, him being down against Guida, pushing forward, putting his chin in danger, landing that knee, knocking him out. The kid has the right mentality, and now he's just getting better and better in his striking. I believe he's been working a lot of Muay Thai with Kevin Ross as well, who's a really good Muay Thai, American Muay Thai fighter as well, and I think that showed in his last fight against the, the Korean Zombie. What I do love is that he's switching from conventional to southpaw. I feel like his stance has changed a little bit too. He's a little bit wider and longer and using his range, sticking his jab out, you know, luring people in. You know, I think standing southpaw will take that inside kick that Volkanowski loves to do against a conventional fighter. He loves to really measure up with that inside kick and then fire back with hands. He used that inside kick to measure his guys up to close that distance. Now, if you stand southpaw, you still have an inside kick, but that is, to me, the kicker's advantage, right? And if I'm Brian Ortega, I'm standing southpaw. I'm, um, I'm tapping him with my jab. I'm landing big kicks from the outside. I'm landing teeps. I'm landing flying knees as this guy tries to close the distance. And I'm doing straights followed by uppercuts to make sure I can um, neutralize his level changes. And I am threatening the takedown. I think he could get it done on his feet, threaten some takedowns on there as well. I'm leaning towards Brian Ortega winning this fight, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a it's a really compelling matchup, and, and I think that it all. I think a lot of it depends on how Ortega. It's weird to say this. I think it's, it depends on how Brian Ortega approaches. It. If he approaches it the right way, I agree he can absolutely get the job done. And we'll be talking about and new at the end of the night. Uh, but again, I think it depends on how he approaches. It. If he just goes out there and starts throwing hands with Volkanovski, I think that's a dangerous game to play uh, because Volkanovski does pack a big punch, and you know we know how tough that guy is. So yeah, this is a really this is a really close fight. I'm leaning towards. Vol- Volkanovski, you got Ortega. We'll see which one of us is right after UFC 266 is over. Uh, Gil, uh, before I let you go, uh, you're always a very busy guy. You got the scrap pack. You're always coaching. How are things? What are you up to these days? You know, I'm in the gym. We just relocated to South San Francisco. You know, it's been crazy times out here in California, but, you know, our spirit is high. I hear we have a great group of people uh, training. You know, my wife's competing. She's fighting. Hopefully we'll have some good news for her soon. Um, all my teammates are getting down. I have some young people who are, who are really coming up and, uh, you know, a hider a male coming up as well. And uh, I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym staying busy, trying to stay young with all these guys, staying healthy and helping my team out. Uh, I, love, I love martial arts. I'll be doing it to the day I die. 
Yeah, I know. I know you've always found a, a passion for coaching, even when you were in the thick of your career as you know champion. You were still coaching and working with guys. I know that's been a kind of a lifelong passion for you is teaching the next generation of martial artists. And it sounds like you're very much still influencing that with you know working at the scrap pack and doing all the things you do. I know. I know you love being a coach. Yeah, I love it, man. I just I, I love the gym. I love since I was young, man. I love I, my 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 dream at first in high school was I'm going to graduate high school, go to college, uh, be a, a high school teacher and coach wrestling, so I can just wrestle all day. Um, I essentially do that now, but now I don't have to teach high school. I just train all day and, and help people out with it. Um, it's definitely my church in there. It uh, helps my you know my mental well being. It keeps me healthy, keeps me young, and um, yeah, man, it's our it's our it's our great little community we got going on there, and and um, I think that's what's really important besides spreading the knowledge, you know, we have a, a solid community and, and, uh, you know, trying to build people up, not to be just champions in the, in the cage, but champions in life. 100%, 100%. Well, Gil, it is always a pleasure to catch up with you. I really do appreciate taking the time and joining me here on the fighter versus the writer. Uh, thank you so much. Come back. You got to come back. You're one of the best analysts in the game. You got to promise to come back and do it again. Absolutely, man. I always have a great time chatting with you, Damon. It's uh, it's great, man. It's it's, it's fun to bounce it off each other, dude. It's it's a, it's a really good time. So please have me back. Absolutely, Gil. Thank you so much again. We'll talk soon, okay? You got it. All right. Bye bye. Gilbert Melendez, there you go, folks. Uh, again, huge fight coming up, UFC 266. Uh, his teammate Nick Diaz is going to be fighting in the uh, technically the the third fight from the main event, but I think a lot of people are looking at Nick Diaz coming back as the main event. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Brian Ortega, and of course Valentina Shevchenko taking on Lauren Murphy, who was a former co-host of uh, the fighter versus the writer on last week's program. So uh, again, make sure you tune into all of that. We look forward to that. Uh, if you have questions, comments, people you want to get on the show, co-hosts, fighters, you want to hear sparring with me over the, uh, over the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at Damon Martin. Make sure you're following, liking, subscribing to the MMA fighting podcast channel. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, all those. And of course you can find all of my work and the podcast itself over at MMAfighting.com. A big thank you once again to Gilbert Melendez for joining me on the show this week. Enjoy UFC 266. We'll be back next week for another edition of The Fighter vs. The Rider. Media Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 